This is SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way. This episode of The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by Bluehost. It is my favoring hosting provider for a blog or a website or anything else you want to have online. Great service, great support, and great prices. Just $6.95 per month. And if you sign up for a year, you get your own .com domain name included in the price. Go check it out at sqpn.com bluehost. This is The Secrets of Star Wars, episode number nine. Dear Jedi, Padawan, Sith, Lords, or whoever else is listening to this podcast, dare I say Ewoks, welcome to another episode of The Secrets of Star Wars, the show where we talk about the upcoming episode 7 of Star Wars at the helm, J.J. Abrams, and featuring, well... We're about to hear who. Well, actually, actually we don't know who. <laughs> we, we know that there will be people featured. Um, and also, we talk about the latest news surrounding everything, you know, related to these movies. Because, of course, we're not only waiting for another trilogy, but also for a number of spin-off movies. And we have strong indications that work is already underway on those as well. This is the place where we discuss this. And, this, and when I say we, I also mean my co-host... Dom Bettinelli, good morning. Good morning, Father. How is life on the planet Hoth? <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to thaw, I think. Uh, I, there, there are signs of, uh, of, uh, of uh, wampas uh, emerging from hibernation. Oh, you got to be careful then. <laughs> you got to be fed lightly. Well, I'm calling you from the planet Naboo or something like that. It's it's really springtime, beautiful weather here. Um, I'm Father Roderick, by the way. I'm a Catholic priest. I live in the Netherlands, and I'm a longtime Star Wars fan. And I am so excited to be um, kind of of the old generation of fans and and seeing these this emergence of the excitement around these new movies. And Dom, we had some really important news. We, we told you last week uh, or last time that we recorded that we would only come back with a new show once there was news, real <laughs> official news. Well, I think it was just a couple of days later that, that we that we got that news. Uh, this qualifies, I think, as big news. <laughs> tell us about it. So we, we do have a, a date when filming will commence. Uh, Disney announced in a press release that uh, uh, principal photography and Star Wars Episode Seven would begin in May of this year, <laughs> finally, and uh, as we expected at uh, Pinewood Studios in London. Um, the, the big story news, which is, it's not news for those of us who've been paying attention, but it's at least confirmation, mm -hmm. is that it's set 30 years after the events of Return of the Jedi, and will star a trio of new young leads, and as they say, along with some very familiar faces. So that that you know confirms what we've been you know gleaning from the dribs and drabs and rumors and speculation that we're going to have these uh, a new generation of stars of of characters. Uh, we're probably going to see that that what it means by familiar f uh, faces. We're probably going to see some of the characters from. The original series, yes, uh, and that's about that's about all we we know at this point. Yes, uh, but but and that's what we're going to talk about today. Even yep. though this seems like a very very small press release, and and they even specify no further details on casting or plot are available at this time, and that of course is to kind of calm down all the fans that otherwise are just going to be in in total overdrive. However, just on the basis of this very limited press release, there are a lot of things that we can deduce. And that's what I want to do with you today, Dom. Uh, I, I want to add to this that the date that I've seen for the beginning of shooting at Pinewood is May 14th. Is that Does that jive with what you've heard? That sounds uh, familiar, yes. I think that's what I heard. And they are starting at Pinewood, which is also interesting. It means they are starting in the studio, in, in, in let's say, indoors. And um, we also have heard many rumors about uh, f remote locations and um, rumors about Scotland, Ireland. I don't remember Iceland. any other. Iceland as well. Yeah. Um, but we... 
nothing has been confirmed there. Just we know that they have been seen scouting those areas. But this this indicates that they're gonna start first with everything indoors, everything you can you can uh, act out on a on a set either uh, on a set that is built or uh, set with green screen. Um, and I, I I thought it's probably a very smart move because then you can bring all the actors there together. Uh, which I think is very important because there's such a gap between the existing movies and this this new trilogy that probably in order to uh, make this work on the screen, you want uh, you need some chemistry. People need to get to know each other. There's going to be uh, uh, bonding happening if you're all in that same studio space. Whereas if they would go and do, I don't know, uh, second unit location shooting or they would start like i think we they've done that with uh empire strikes back where they first started with the all the the scenes on hot and then later on went to the studios uh you you miss that bonding of the entire crew so i think it's it's probably a very good move to do this for um the relationship between all these old and new actors or familiar actors and the newer actors um, but there is a second reason that this is, of course, smart, and that is as long as you're indoors, chances are that you can keep things under wraps. And as soon as you go filming on location, even if it's as remote as you can imagine, uh, there will still be fans that will hear about this, travel to the location and try to, you know, do selfies or photobomb <laughs> the, the shooting. So I think you want to keep that uh, a secret as long as possible and, and, and just keep everything locked up in, in Pinewood Studios to begin with. Right, because then they'll be building outdoor sets and all that sort of thing like that. Exactly. Uh, and and there are you know there are guys who have to come pick up the trash you know I mean there's this you can't completely control the environment there's gonna be somebody you know who you can't get a non-disclosure agreement signed on and they're gonna see something they're gonna say something and take a picture of something yes I remember this from the shooting of um, was it the Phantom Menace or was it where was the castle of uh, Amidala that was in the second movie right the second prequel. Well, they uh, had it in the first one too, though. Yeah, so it might have been one or the other. But it was the lake, uh, the lake villa. Yeah. And I traveled to that location uh, during one of my vacations in in Italy, and spoke with the people, and they actually told me that once the actors were there, the entire village knew, and there were just people all over the place, and it was impossible to contain it, and they had to really. Uh, make sure that no one knew where they were going to film. For instance, there's this romantic scene between Padme and Anakin in one of the meadows. And it's on a hill, actually walked all the way up to that hill to see where they filmed it. And it's very funny. if you It looks exactly like in the movie, but except for there are no mountains in the distance. So they added those digitally. And of course, not the big... Um, <laughs> cattle the, the 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 alien cattle that, <laughs> that Anakin rides there uh, but um uh it, that was very remote and probably also chosen because it's easy to to seal off the area around the villa where they filmed uh Pat May's vacation home um but as soon as you go in an area where there are basically no fences then it's it, you have to really find something some someplace really remote in order to stay hidden from the fans. So it, it, it gives us a few indications that um, the fact that they start on May the fifteenth, you can you can bet that almost all the sets are are uh, are finished now, or uh, you know that, that they have been building this for months. Um, well, in fact, we've we've seen some. Uh some uh, people uh, accidentally letting it slip that they've been on the set. Uh, yes, indeed. Oh, yeah, and there were some tantalizing Twitter <laughs> messages that got erased almost immediately afterwards. So. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader was un was unhappy with uh, mm -hmm. the his, uh, executives from the toy companies. I wonder if J.J. <laughs> Abrams can do a force crush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, you know, when, when they work with these toy companies, they have to... Start to see the you know what they're going to be producing, uh, you know well in advance in order to have the toys out when the movie launches. So these guys yes. are going to have to come and look at the sets and that sort of stuff. So I I, I gather they're going to be on set. They're going to see the stuff, but uh, they're they're held to the strictest secrecy, just like 
everybody else. The tweets were from uh, Steve Evans, who apparently is one of the Hasbro's, uh, one of Hasbro's executives. Or um, was. <laughs> or was, yes. <laughs> and, uh, of course, uh, again, it's just a confirmation of something that everybody suspected. Has Hasbro will probably have the license to make all the toys. So <laughs> they're going to have the same prices or perhaps even higher prices than ever before. Um, and Steve Evans posted a number of tweets on the first one on February the 26th saying, one more sleep before my visit to Pinewood Stu Studios tomorrow. So he visited Pinewood uh, February 27th. Now that is already uh, about a month ago. Um, but you can still uh, think that if they're building big indoor sets, or let's say the model of the Millennium Falcon or whatever else, uh, you know, other ships or hangars or anything, most of that would probably already be, be in a very advanced stage. Then on February the 28th, one day later, he tweets, What a day on the Star Wars set. Met J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy the producer, and the legend Lawrence Kasdan, the co-writer. So that's interesting, too, that both a Abrams, Kennedy, and Kasdan are already there. Um, they're already, uh, you know, accustomed to the time. I, I imagine that they, they probably moved with their families for the entire duration of the, um, of the shooting. I would think so. Yeah, you wouldn't expect them to, once the shooting starts, they're not going to be flying back and forth and that sort of thing. I wonder why why Kasdan was there, if that was just for uh, the meeting with, with Hasbro, or whether he's just there as well to to be present during filming. Well, I mean, he's there. my guess is they're still working the script, they're, mm -hmm. and they're probably going to be working that script well into shooting. So I could see that he would have to be there or, or want to be there collaborating with J.J. Abrams. I, I don't know. Is Lawrence Kasdan British? I, I I don't know anything about See, him, actually, his background. That's a good question. I need to Google that. But uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan, I guess. He, no, he's from Miami, Florida. Oh, uh, I wouldn't leave Miami for, well, you know, I would go I would go from Miami to be on the set of Star Wars. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but now Miami sounds really good and, and Skype works really well. But, but you know, I, uh, my guess is he's on set for... You know, they're they're working that script. They're February twenty eighth. They're probably still casting. Mm -hmm. And I, my guess is Lawrence Kasdan is doing more than just screenwriting. I mean, he's probably got a a bigger role than your typical screenwriter has had. I mean, that that was my sense from when they announced his involvement mm -hmm. was that J.J. Abrams was bringing him in sort of as a you know a big gun creatively. Yeah, yeah, it, and probably also an ad advisor, someone who can just tell people uh, that are working on the sets or the designers or whoever you know that the, uh, this is this is not entirely what it's supposed to be i mean he has got a such a, a feel for the star wars universe you want to have someone like that on on set mm -hmm. if only to have uh, a, a divergent opinion on stuff which of course is the big risk and and also the fear that some of the star wars fans had uh, when J.J. Abrams got involved is like, oh, let's hope this is not just going to be J.J. Abrams and the entire movie trilogy is going to take on that that J.J. Abrams look and feel. Um, it needs to be Star Wars, not J.J. Abrams. And I right. think having Kasdan involved uh, almost on par with Abrams can probably prevent that from happening. And I note the name that isn't on that list of three, and that's George Lucas. True. <laughs> and my guess is he's staying away. He's really, you I know, think so. I think letting, so. Letting this, if he was on set, he would, you know, if he was in, you know, London, it would be, he'd be the 800-pound the gorilla kind of looming over everything. <laughs> and everyone would be looking to him. Is he approved? Is yes. it okay? Is yes. It I think so, too. No, I think it, it would, they probably uh, talked about that as well. And, and they, they, of course, they will fly him in because he needs to give his stamp of approval. And <laughs> but and probably in a, at a much later stage. Yeah, there has to be the DVD extra where they interview of him course. about, well, what was it like being on the set <laughs> and that sort and of thing. And then all the, you know, the, the the publicity photos and everything. You need George Lucas to be there uh, right. uh, in, in at certain moments, but but definitely not in at this stage because you're right. This, uh, it would not distract. This film. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. It was, it was I was going to say it's not for this film too. Episode seven is the big break. You know, mm-hmm. for the next film and the and episode eight and that sort of stuff, he could you know be present much more. But this is the film where they've really got to show the break and the new yes. energy and creativity. Absolutely. Now, Steve wasn't done tweeting because <laughs> on March eight, so that is a week later, he tweets. I met someone in the bathroom while on the episode seven set. Casting rumors abound. <laughs> that is that's pretty risky to <laughs> to tweet stuff like that. Now we can assume mm-hmm. it was one of the male actors. <laughs> exactly. Very good deduction. <laughs> or has or on- undefined. <laughs> Where do you put aliens? <laughs> I remember I had a Mad magazine, uh, which was drawn uh, with a with a, a spoof of of the first Star Wars movie, Star Wars. 4. I, actually, I think I still have have it, and uh, uh, it had one of those comic strips um, after the big story, and it it showed uh, Luke Skywalker who was at the cantina, and he <laughs> asked the guy behind the counter, um, "I have to pee. Uh, where's the bathroom?" and uh, points him in a direction, and he enters the bathroom, and he sees all these incredibly complicated devices with holes all over the place, and he's like, "It's all for aliens." <laughs> he has no <laughs> idea where he can he can pee. <laughs> Uh, I remember as a child that I found that the most hilarious joke ever made about Star Wars. <laughs> and we, and, and we, we don't really grow up from that. <laughs> exactly. I'm still chuckling. So, but he, so he met someone in the bathroom. And the fact that he, he, he writes casting rumors abound, uh, well, kind of indicates that this might actually be one of the newer people. I don't know. Anyway, there's nothing else that we can deduce from that, and but it's interesting that um, if he met someone who is who is going to be playing a role in the movies, it means those people are those actors or at least part of them are already there, which uh, also makes me think that perhaps they are there for training. Remember that right. Luke uh, or Mark Hamill and. Um, David Prowse and, and uh, Sir Alec Guinness had to be there for, you know, all the, the, the lightsaber training and everything. You don't want to do that on the f- in the first week of official filming. They probably are already doing that. Yeah, you and McGregor and Hayden Christensen, I think they, they said they trained for, for um, you know, a couple months before yeah. filming yeah. started. So uh, this is what astounds me is that why we, that we don't actually have a cast announcement. Nope. I mean, these people have to be, you know, already cast and in training. I think so too. <laughs> I definitely th- think so too. Uh, but, but perhaps it's all—they you know, have such a, uh, a grip on this. It's—it's it's crazy. It's almost like a Darth Vader-like, you know, menace that has to be in place for if you leak anything, <laughs> we will obliterate you. <laughs> uh, and then Steve Evans continues to tweet again uh, a week, more than a week later. Um, uh, and, and this is in response to Savage Daddy. I'm sure you, you'll you know soon enough. Uh, this is probably in response to people inquiring about, so who did you see and who who is cast? And so this seems to indicate that we will get a, uh, imminent, there's an imminent um, announcement of the cast. It kind of makes sense that they want to do that at least a few weeks before so they can, you know, p- present the people in magazines and they will have the exclusives reserved for certain press outlets to uh you, you want to have that in the newspapers and the magazines before you start shooting i think right otherwise it's just an open invitation to people selling their you know s- secret photos from the set and <laughs> it's better to release yourself and at least you you will have control over what goes out so and then uh this happened just three days later someone noticed on twitter um, and writes, Hasbro guy visits the Star Wars 7 set at Pinewood, tweets, and now his account is deleted. We know what happened. And then you see a photo of the Death Star and uh, one of the admirals being choked to death, Ozzel being choked to death by Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. But yes, I prob- he probably had a, uh, a little nudge there. Like, could you please stop releasing information? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of imprudent because imagine that uh, Disney is also in talks with other uh, parties um, that might want to get a license. It just uh, them knowing that Hasbro is there and has all this privileged info, uh, you know, it can cause all sorts of unwanted uh, side effects. Well, and, and not only that, I mean, he, this particular guy didn't reveal too much information from his visit. I mean, mm-hmm. there, it, it, no, nothing astounding, nothing, you know, really told us anything really all that new. But what about the next guy? And then the guy after that, you know, yes. if, if, yes. if this guy got away with saying something, you know, the next guy I want to say something. So they want to cut this off immediately mm-hmm. and, and make sure send, to send a message. No, you know, leaking even the most innocuous information. Yes. Now, Jedi News UK had some more updates. They, they have a source which they consider to be very reliable. Of course, we have no way to verify that. Uh, but Jedi News writes, Over the past few weeks, we have heard that a select number of executives from the leading Star Wars vendors have been invited to and attended meeting, meetings at Pinewood Studios. They have had presentations of some elements of Episode 7, together with tours of a limited number of Episode 7 sets. Vendor meetings began on Friday, the 28th of February, which uh, totally jives with uh, what uh, uh, Steve Evans was tweeting, and continued into early March. The majority of the vendors invited are long-standing, trusted Lucasfilm vendors or divisions within the Disney family. That kind of makes sense. That also makes it easier to contain any information. Finally, also on set over the past few weeks has been a number of actors and actresses whom we assume are cast and or at least in late stages of negotiation. Costume fittings and training are starting. Interesting. So costume, that totally makes sense. Of course, they've got their whole costume department on location and those <laughs> need to be ready when they start filming um, at the, you know, in, in May. So... Costume fittings, training. There is a lot going on inside the walls of Pinewood Studios right now. Again, if you're if you're beginning filming in mid-May, the, and we're only two months out, there is so much that has been done. I mean, yes. so much has been settled, and uh, and we're just waiting for them to to kind of let us in on it. I mean, or someone who works or knows someone who works <laughs> there to mm-hmm. let us in on it, uh, one way or the other. But you know, it's it's happening. I mean, that's the exciting thing. This is it's. It's it's happening now. The sets are built. the The costumes are on. The Jedi are holding their lightsabers. This Star Wars is happening. Mm-hmm. Bob Iger from Disney is one of the Disney executives. Um, he held a pres- presentation and said that only R two D two was cast so far. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> That's the only one that we've seen and kind of makes it. You're, you're saying nothing new by saying that. You just say something so that you don't get any more questions. That was last week. I, I'm sorry, but I, I don't believe you, Bob. <laughs> yes. This was on March 18th. And then uh, apparently he also said there is no Star Wars news. It's too early. But then he went on to say concept art really looks amazing. But for now, that's it. I'll get in trouble if I say more. <laughs> so, well, of course, concept art always looks amazing. <laughs> exactly. But it's cool. It, it just means that a lot is ready to go. Um, then um, some people were wondering, and if this is, of course, because of the lack of, of other confirmed news, um, especially the fan sites are trying to inquire everywhere if someone might be cast or whatever. So they went to Dennis Lawson, who played Wedge Antilles. Uh, he lives in Scotland, or at least he's from he's from Scotland. No, wait a minute. Yeah, I think actually that is the case. The, the Scottish newspaper interviewed him. And uh, writes, uh, he turned down the opportunity to reprise his Star Wars role when George Lucas revisited the story in 2005. But when I ask him about it, he just sighs warily and won't be drawn. Honestly, I made the first Star Wars film in 1976 and it doesn't really interest me. I know it's interesting to other people, but I get really bored talking about it. Sorry. (laughs) So I guess no wedge until he's in (laughs) Star Wars 7. Poor fellow made a made a movie forty years ago. Yes, and and you know got his paycheck and moved on and tried to have a career. And all of these fans just will not let him move beyond this. What was 
really a very tiny role. I yes. mean, he, he probably worked a day on the set. But it, 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 that one role became the 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 fertile ground for all that expanded universe stuff in where Wedge Antilles is so important. I think of the X-Wing series and what's the Rogue Squadron and stuff. Uh, so there's so much Wedge Antilles. So it's like, like Boba Fett. I mean, how many minutes of Boba Fett do we actually have in, in 4, 5, and 6? Not much, but it took on a life of its own. And, and it was so big, and the, the fan fiction and the interest was so huge that that was the reason that, that George Lucas decided to, to show him also in, um, uh, what is it, the, the special edition of, uh, of 4 and giving, give him a backstory with the clones and everything. Right. Not yeah. That he's the the, the basis for the stormtroopers. And you can do two things. You can be bitter about it and and wanting the world to move on, or you can embrace it and make tons of money by appearing on all those Star Wars <laughs> conventions, like a lot of people in the Star Trek universe do as well. Oh well, you need to uh, you you need to really like that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the poor guy hates Star Wars. <laughs> but anyway, there is one last little bit of rumor about casting. Um, and I think we already mentioned this before, but uh, both Latino Review and The Hollywood Reporter posted that Oscar winner Lupita Nyong'o, who plays the lead, I think, in... Was it in uh, 12 Years a Slave? or Yeah, she was a supporting actress. Right. Uh, Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in 12 Years a Slave. That she has met with J.J. Abrams um, for for the part of the female lead in Star Wars Episode Seven. Sources say that Nyong'o met with J.J. Abrams only a few weeks ago, just before the Academy Awards, where she took this home the statuette for Best Supporting Actress for her work in Twelve Years a Slave. That that would be quite awesome i think to have a, 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 a an african-american female lead player yes it would kind of break some of the 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 stereotypes yeah. that have been kind of leveled against star wars mm -hmm. where you know the there have not been a whole lot of uh characters other than the aliens <laughs> yeah yeah who have not been uh you know caucasian and Lando. Um, <laughs> I mean, at least he kind of stands out by the by being the exception. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have not seen 12 Years a Slave. I don't think I've, I haven't seen anything she's been in. So uh, I don't know uh, the quality of her acting. Uh, apparently, it's really good if she wins an Oscar. So and, and I've heard lots of good things. So I think it would be very, very cool if we could get someone of her stature uh, uh, playing, you know, one of the leads. It just would again help establish it's like like uh, sir alec guinness and uh peter cushing and and for for episode four you want to have a few really good actors right and and the better the the better the cast of these new trio hmm. uh, the 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 better off the the whole series is going to be if yes. we get a, a really solid group of actors a great group of actors that can only mean good things for Star Wars now and in the future absolutely well let's get back to uh, the original press release about the, the the starting of shooting in May I want just want to add one last thing and that is according to an Icelandic newspaper um, there was an article about a crew coming over in April and shooting some plate shots that are to be used for Episode 7. And uh, that it's also, if they like it there, they might shoot some more scenes with cast and crew. Um, again, that makes sense. If it's just shooting plate shots, let's say background stuff, and later on you add uh, CGI things, then... You might want to do this now in April while there's still snow and it's still cold. Right. And Iceland is a pretty alien landscape anyway. It's got oh, yes. these geysers and everything, and it's, it's really like a moon landscape almost. So it makes sense to me if, if there is a planet that is going to be very uh, inhospitable and, and cold and, you know, just have background stuff. And not having the actors there uh, could also... Um, facilitate their work tremendously because, you know, who notices what this film crew is doing there? There's so many probably film crews that are doing that all the time and making documentaries about Iceland. So they could probably operate with uh, not much attention. Not to mention that Iceland is an empty country. <laughs> no one lives there. It's a very small population. So 
it makes you wonder what you know. It makes me think about you know what planet would they be visiting? What planet would be Iceland? Uh, yeah, the basis gotta, it's for it's got to be a new one. Yes, uh, we we have not seen anything with a combination of like a tundra like landscape with grass, but also snow and 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 rocks, and then these geysers and everything. Yeah, it's I guess let's and it. say again. Uh, I'm sorry, maybe the Sith planet. Yeah, who knows? Although that you you'd imagine something more, you know, warm and with lava and ra- I think there's a Sith planet in um, uh, the, the uh, Old Republic video game. Yes, where it's yes. all lava and it looks extremely hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's interesting at least uh, to see that Iceland is still in the rumors. Now I want to go back to the original statement because, I, like I said at the beginning, this is very sparse information, right? It is. It, it, episode seven is set about thirty years after the events of Star Wars Episode Four. Uh, episode, Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, and will star a trio of new young leads along with some very familiar faces. Okay, what can we deduce from this? A lot. So much more than I initially thought. For instance, one of the things that a lot of people were hoping for, a lot of fans, was, oh, please do the um, the, the Timothy Zahn trilogy. You know, just base the movies on that. It's the, it was even better than the movies. Definitely better than the prequels. So why not just take Admiral Thrawn and just do the, that storyline? Well, it's impossible. Because if this takes place 30 years after Empire Strikes Back, then you're way beyond the time frame of that particular story. Because I think that Thrawn and uh, th- that whole trilogy is, um, is it's immediately seven, after seven years after uh, the beginning of, uh, of Episode 4. So, yeah, that just immediately follows the events in um, in in Return of the Jedi. Now I I found this amazing resource. Um, it you can it, there is a whole timeline that was composed by a fan with the entire extended universe. So both everything that precedes the prequels, so it goes all the way back to the Old Republic and to the genesis of the Star Wars universe, and it includes every single uh, book comic, video game, whatever, anything that is officially, you know, was uh, was condoned by uh, Lucasfilm, it squeezes that into that timeline and puts it in a chronological order. And it is a huge resource for us now to be able to, to situate this new trilogy in the total timeline. And what struck me immediately was they say 30 years after Empire Strikes Back. After Return of the Jedi. Oh, sorry, after Return of the Jedi. That makes it around 34 after the beginning of uh, Episode 4. Now, I'm browsing through this timeline, and the first years after uh, after, uh, Return of the Jedi, lots and lots. Let me just read you what happens there, just a few... Uh, mentions here. You've got X-Wing Rogue Squadron. That is just five years after Episode 4. More X-Wing stories. Then you go to um, uh, nine years after uh, A New Hope, Heir to the Empire. So that's where um, the Timothy Zahn uh, trilogy starts. You get the Dark Force Rising video game. You get The Last Command. Um, then in the year 10 after uh, A New Hope, you get the Boba Fett um, novelization. And I think that was all based on um, kind of a resurrection of Boba Fett, where he was able to escape the Sarlacc pit and returns to the Star Wars universe, of course, much to the... Uh, to the excitement of, of the Boba Fett uh, uh, fans. Then you get the Dark Empire uh, comics, which were awesome. One of my favorites. I think, isn't that also where Luke turns to the dark side momentarily? Um, uh, it's been a long time since I read it. I, I'm not sure. I think so. I think so. I think I have the comic, actually. I just dug it, dug it up from my collection, um, but it's not here on the table. Anyway, then you get 11, you get the Jedi Academy stuff. Which was also really uh, a really good series, um, and it's basically about Duke, Luke building up a new Jedi Academy and finding new recruits or new Padawans. 
uh, or Padawans. Um, then you get uh, in 12 after uh, A New Hope, you get Darksaber, Children of the Jedi. Uh, so it's basically the new generation of Jedi Knights. And so the extended universe kind of builds, rebuilds the Jedi Order. And it's all done by Luke Skywalker. Which kind of makes sense. After Empire Strikes Back, the universe is at peace. Uh, he has seen uh, the danger of not having Jedi around. He needs to pass on the legacy. Why would he wait 30 years to do that? Right. So I think that's a very important clue that probably, you know, the Jedi will be back. And, and I mean, Je- Luke Skywalker would be such a lousy Jedi had he not tried to rebuild a Jedi Order and pass that on. So I don't think we're, that's what we're going to see in uh, these new uh, Star Wars movies. And then it just goes on and on and on. You've got the Corellian trilogy, and I think this is also about the uh, kids of uh, uh, Han Solo and, and Leia. Uh, again, more bounty hunter stuff. you got the Junior Jedi Knights. That's already 22 years after A New Hope. Young Jedi Knights. And just goes on and on. The new Jedi Order starts around 2530. And here's an interesting thing. Uh, there is apparently also uh, an issue. This was a comic um, in the new Jedi Order series. And it's act- no, actually, it's just below that. And it's about Chewbacca. So I'm not sure if that's a flashback series or whether that actually, if Chewbacca is still there. I know that they didn't they kill him off in the extended they, universe? Yes, they killed him off before the new Jedi Order books. I think, okay. uh, or or in the first New Jedi Order book, hmm. um, but I think it was before that, uh, and that was I think it was in the Corellian trilogy, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly. Interesting, uh, and that yeah, that was that was quite controversial at the time, so I'm not sure where th- what these Chewbacca comics from no. Dark Horse were about. That would be just a minor thing that they need to correct, and perhaps they can even wiggle their way out by saying, "Well, he was not truly dead," you know. <laughs> He was just sleeping. <laughs> hey, it's in the gospel as well, so why not? But, Genesis planet, it was res- re- regenerated. Mm, that's Star Trek, right? <laughs> Oops, uh, sorry, cross the streams. Need a little bit of uh, con blood. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the the thing is, and, and now I'm coming to the point I want to make, is so far the timeline has been completely crammed with stuff. Like every year after A New Hope, there are 20, 30, 40 comics, uh, novels, etc., etc., games. And then you get to the years 34 after A New Hope, and then the lists become very tiny. And they're just like two or three minor stories, and it's, you know, it's about the dark nest and... Jedi versus Sith, and it's like it's it's not even really certain if that has to do with that time frame. What I want to say is that entire time frame is, in terms of the extended universe, is wide open. There's just a legacy of the Force and Blood Oath, which I remember reading about, and um, 42 after New Hope. There is a, a story about the Millennium Falcon and the fate of the Jedi. So. The the stories start to pick up around the year 40, which basically gives them a, a wide open space between 34 after A New Hope and year 40. I think the exact space where you would cram in a trilogy, right? Because you don't want those movies to be too far apart in terms of chronology. Not to mention that it has been about 30 years or it has been 30 years since uh, Return of the Jedi. And that will fit the age of our... Exactly. Well, that's another thing that I want to get to. Uh, but the, the, so the, the, what I, the, the final point that I wanted to make is it is very well possible in this hypothesis, if they use exactly that time period and they, they use that open space, that they might have decided to keep the entire extended universe intact or at least the bulk of it. And that's important uh, uh, for some fans. I mean, I've I've seen people online saying if they do anything to undermine or undercut the extended universe, I will cut off Star Wars forever. I will hate it forever. This is Star Wars to me. And Lucasfilm themselves always made a point of saying that the stuff that we approve is canon. This is is part of 
the Star Wars universe. And it makes sense because, I, and I know, I, I understand why fans would be so upset about them erasing the entire extended universe because it's an investment, literally a monetary investment. Think of all the novels that I bought. I must have spent hundreds of dollars on, on the extended universe and all that would be null and void when that is erased. And, and of course, they can't do the, the trick like they did with Star Trek, just build an alternate timeline that would probably even turn Jar Jar away from the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> that would be criminal. But so I think this, I, I can totally see that they get away with this, that by placing it in between the year 34 and 40, they can get away with anything and they can make a totally new story. There's nothing canon that is in the way. The only, the only other kind of problem, or it might be an advantage, is that, uh, of course, uh, the, if you keep the extended universe intact, uh, you would still have, of course, the, the, the children of Luke and Leia and, uh, yeah, Luke, Leia and Han. Um, so those, if, if you want to bring in the children, then uh, that you would you would be bound to something that uh, was invented by you know other authors than George Lucas or now J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan. However, we don't know that. We don't know if the kids are involved. Right. And I'm the more I think about it, the more and and especially if you combine that with the rumor of uh, of the casting of uh, Lupita Nyong'o as as uh, one of the female leads. I mean, she probably is not Luke Skywalker's daughter or or Han Solo's daughter. So I I think they could solve every problem by just introducing people that are have, are not related to Luke or Leia or Han. And I think by the by the year thirty four, it's it's very probable that most of their kids are out of the house anyway, in some other part of the universe. Right. They're they're in their late twenties, yeah, early thirties. So I don't think there's an obstacle there if they go with uh, a three a, a new th- trio that has nothing to do at least not in terms of family with Luke and Leia and Han. So um, I think thirty years makes a lot of sense story wise as well. Uh, the um, there's something else I wanted to say about this. Uh, I don't know. It escapes me. I'm blanking out. <laughs> the. Uh, uh, well, yeah, well, we're talking about the age, about yeah. the age of the actors. Now, um, and, and this is, uh, of course, has been one of the big questions once we heard the rumors about them recasting Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford is, wow, they are in their 60s now. Isn't that a little bit too old to to play a Jedi and to to reprise their roles? And we could certainly not see them, you know, just jumping around and doing all the the, the, the the shooting and running that we've seen in um in in the existing movies although they did that with uh um with CGI as well for um what's his name uh the Sith Lord in in episode 2 Alpatine uh, 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 uh oh Count Dooku uh, Count Dooku so they used extensive CGI cuz the the well anyway so but but I I, I think that if you look at the age now of Mark Hamill, for instance, Mark Hamill is born in 51, if I'm not mistaken. So he's like in his early 60s. Um, let's say, uh, let me, let, let me, let's try to be correct about that. So he's born in 51. So he's now mm, nine, wait, 49 plus 14, 50, 63. Right, that's old. Wow. <laughs> so he's 63 years old. Means that if you subtract 30, then in Empire he was uh, um, uh, 33, but he played actually a younger character. I, th- I think at most fans, I'm not sure if we have uh, official uh, statements about this, but I think that Luke, when he started his training with Obi Wan, he was about 19. Or seventeen, I think. Or seventeen. So he he basically played someone who was ten years younger than he actually was, and I think the same is true for Han Solo and and Leia. Uh, although Leia, I'm not sure. Carrie but, Fisher was still was seventeen when she started filming, right? I think so. Um, and of course, they're twins, so 
I think that's that's what where we get the age mm. of seventeen. Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but we 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 never see her celebrate her birthday or anything. So they they could they can get away with it. And after a while, of course, it doesn't really matter that much if if there's you know if you're playing someone who's five or ten years younger. Um, so I I totally think they can get away with this. That um, the the roles that they're going to portray in the new trilogy are. Um, uh, you know, kind of, they fit the the age they are supposed to have in that time frame. Right. So it also means their kids are already grown up and everything, which frees them up. You, you could you could display them or portray them in a situation where they are actually already starting to prepare for retirement, or they might have I don't know, Leia might have political f- function, and Luke might be at the head of uh, his Jedi school, or might have retired just like Obi-Wan Kenobi. And what I'm trying to say is they won't have any um, parental duties anymore. So it also f- frees them up for a story. You can do basically anything. Because that, that, that age is not really, you're not supposed to do anything anymore. <laughs> Certainly Obi-Wan was older than, than Luke is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he went on, a, on an adventure with, with Luke and Han and Chewbacca you know, it's it is nothing to prevent some someone of uh, of those, uh, and I apologize to anyone of that age of those advanced years, to to you know go on an, an adventure like this. I mean, the so I think th- there's nothing that says they that they can't be integral to the whole uh, plot of the story. Um, but I kind of like the idea that maybe these new young leads that we're focusing on aren't the children of. Mm-hmm. Of you know Luke or Leia and Han. I think it's even impossible in terms of age. If we, we look at the casting descriptions that we saw, now this might have been prior to the rewriting of the of the script, but they were aiming for uh, basically actors that, w- that that are too young to be the children. Or <laughs> well, I mean, there's nothing to say that they didn't have you know. I mean, uh, let me put it this way: When I'm Luke's age, my mm-hmm. children will be about the age that these new young leads are. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not okay. impossible that they would have had more children than right away. Possible. You know what I mean? So uh, 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 it's, possible. it's possible, but yes, yeah. never, but um, Why would you? I mean, it's just creating a lot of hassle if you have to constantly refer to the uh, to the extended universe and and this because a lot of those stories revolved around the children. It, and it it would all it could also have financial consequences. Imagine if you had come up with all these kids and had written all these books, and and your contract allowed you to sue Lucasfilm if they would make more money off of you without your permission. I don't know. There are all sorts of legal problems, perhaps also related to trying pretty to cool. use extended universe stuff. Actually, I'm pretty sure once they when they sold when they wrote that book, Lucas owned characters that they wrote. I remember oh, reading okay. uh, Michael Stackpole writing about okay. writing in the expanded universe. So that's not really an issue, but I I, I just think J.J. Um, Abrams probably would rather have more freedom than less. And by moving away from what has been set in the expanded universe as much as possible to set his story, mm-hmm. I think that would be that would be a, some creative freedom for him. Well, and it would also uh, make make it possible to to surprise us much more because if you would use the children, um, then there would already be so many kind of preconceived notions about them and we we know them from the books we know their characters and and so uh, it wouldn't be as fresh as completely unknown new characters from different now, planets from i don't know from iceland <laughs> there is another detail in here that it's easy to gloss over but uh, mm-hmm. but it, it is it is actually a confirmation that it is a trio of yes. new young leads yes it, so we know that it now it, that it's set in stone here. Three is this is the number. You know, we kind of assumed we'd looked at some of the casting descriptions, but those didn't specify. Those were actually described many more than three pe- mm-hmm. people, and we had to guess. You know how that composition yes. would go. But now we know it's three, and this makes sense. It's always been three. Yes, um, and and so uh, the. And and if you again combine this with this rumor that Lupita Nyong'o was uh, was trying to get the female lead, they're not talking about one of the female leads. Although in in the previous cast descriptions a long time ago, uh, I think there were several female characters in the descriptions. But uh, this could also mean, and this is of course all deduction and speculation. It, one female lead means two guys, right? Usually, yeah. You don't often see in an action adventure, science fiction movie, 
two female leads and one male lead. I mean, it would be kind of cool, of course, if it would reverse that. It would match the trend of Disney kind of always kind of having the female preference now and all the princes on their white horses turn out to be either stupid or jerks or evil (laughs) (laughs) or reindeer lovers. But uh, anyway, it's it's, it's interesting. Trio, that feels like classic Star Wars. And of course, uh, from a narrative perspective, it enables you to create a lot of humor and tension. And I I think it would totally work. Plus probably some sidekicks and uh, yeah. Encounter along the way and and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I can highly recommend people checking out that Star Wars timeline because it, 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 and see for yourself how the, this new trilogy, now that we know when this takes place, how it fits in with the rest and, and let us know if you're, uh, if you're very much in, into the extended universe, um, if you have any thoughts about this or theories or, or if you know about certain things from the extended universe, you know, if, if we assume that they will keep it intact, what are the things that we, that we know about that particular time frame? What do we know about the planets, about Tatooine, about – I mean because you can imagine that they will return to certain – not just to familiar faces but also to familiar places. And I think one of the planets that in my opinion – it's almost impossible to skip is Tatooine because all the movies have R2-D2, C-3PO, and Tatooine. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least a reference to it. Uh, But I don't know anything about the history of of all those planets and places. Um, Thinking if they want to bring back Lando, will we see Bespin again? It might be cool to at least give us a glimpse of some of those planets. Mm. Uh, What will they do with uh, Coruscant? Uh, with the Jedi Council, with all that. I mean, that wasn't destroyed. So if Luke has rebuilt the Jedi Order uh, in the extended universe, the, uh, are, is the Jedi Order still located on Coruscant or is it elsewhere? Um, I'd like to know uh, from our probably very knowledgeable listeners if they have some more ideas about that because it's, it's all feeding us uh, you know, little tidbits that might help us piece together at least a, uh, the, the contours of what we might see in uh, in 2015. Uh, I think that kind of wraps it up with uh, um, our speculation about this press release. Was there anything else that you've noticed? Um, juicy rumors or outrageous speculation? <laughs> well, not so much big news or juicy rumors, but uh, there was also just mentioned that, uh, as expected, uh, this will be released in IMAX. Uh, and- yes, good point like this you got to see it in IMAX as much as possible no, no mention of 3D that's an interesting mm-hmm. uh, question that's still to be to I, be discussed but I, I have to say that it's it's impossible that they will shoot this in 3D because they're using traditional film cameras with right. film and, and not digitally which means it is impossible uh, to mount two cameras two you know old fashioned cameras analog cameras and, and do 3D stuff it would it has so, to be post-production 3D, which yeah, it's going to be post-production. Which, by the way, for for uh, what was it, a Phantom Menace that they redid was yep. actually pretty good. And I've heard about people that saw unfinished stuff from Episode Four that they were preparing that that was quite stunning as well. What they were able to do. So I don't think that that whole 3D project is is uh, abandoned. Um, actually, I. Th- think it is very likely that we will see that happening in the future and that we will get a post post conversion of of uh, of this of these this new trilogy as well great um i i there's one final thing that i wanted to mention if you go to, on youtube and you just look for um uh, videos about star wars 7 you will also find a number of videos by i think it's empire magazine which is a great magazine often often has a lot of scoops uh, also about star wars um they've got some videos uh where they compile uh, tidbits from all sorts of interviews with actors about episode 7 and not just actors but also uh directors and one of the clips is with joss whedon and they ask him, uh, hey, aren't you sorry that they never asked you to direct Star Wars? <laughs> and then he's, well, uh, I've got eight lightsabers at home. He he is a huge Star Wars fan. And just the way he talks about it is like, oh, 
car. I wish I could. And then he's, well, you know what? But Star Wars is Disney now. And Disney knows that around the time of the release of this new Star Wars movie, I'm kind of busy with another project. So he's, of course, doing the Avengers and stuff. So, uh, but... The way he, his enthusiasm about, about Star Wars and just being such a, an obvious huge fan makes me believe that uh, we will certainly, I'm, I'm convinced about this, we will certainly see him at the helm of one of the future Star Wars movies, whether it's one of the trilogy movies or if it's one of the spin-off movies. But he seems to be the perfect fit, not to mention that he already works for Disney. So, Right. And imagine that, you know, <laughs> Joss Whedon. The guy who brought us Firefly doing Star Wars, it's like the Millennium Falcon going to 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 hyperdrive. It's it's. I, uh, I can imagine uh, it, Joss Whedon with with Nathan Fillion, uh, one of the the characters in in whatever that Star Wars movie is. That would be because I'm sure Nathan Fillion is also a big Star Wars fan and mm-hmm. would love to to be able to. <laughs> To do his full hand solo, so to speak. <laughs> yes, I think so too. Uh, so and 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 of course the the he's actually uh, I, I forgot I forgot about this, but he's also talking about what kind of Star Wars movies he would like to see. I think it was him, although there are a number of uh, 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 quotes from all sorts of people. And yeah, I think it was him. Who said, you know, I, I would even watch uh, like a, a, a flashback movie about the Sarlacc. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> and, and so there's so many ideas about people from the existing movies that you could focus on in one of those spin-off movies. So just seeing all these people being creative and thinking along with Disney about the possibilities. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if we, uh, if we wouldn't see some of those people featured in that movie, in that video um uh, in in one of the future uh spin-off movies i think here i found um an interview with him also about star wars 7 in which he s- apparently says i wouldn't bring back han solo let's listen to this just to i'm not sure if it's the same interview you that you would have liked to be in the running for star wars and you were kind of sad that you were taken out by avengers 2 would if just as a fan because i know you're a you're a fan of those. If uh, just thinking about what characters are going to be brought back from the original series, and there's all this talk of Han Solo and Boba Fett and solo movies, what would you want to see? Who would you want to kind of? You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back. I'd go forward. Um, I would want to create characters that would resonate the way they did. Um, uh, but that's you know. I mean, not that I would don't want to see them, and I would be excited to. But I also feel like um, I would want to explore a very different part of that universe. Yeah, the idea of recasting Han Solo does seem kind of perverse, but... No, that I would never want to do. Yeah, no, there's, there's no. rumors about that, but I don't know. Some things may not be rebooted. <laughs> yeah. Re- recasting someone in the role of Han Solo. We had a whole discussion on Facebook about the, a, a, a rumored recasting of the of Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, I feel about that, Father. I am uh, deeply opposed to to recasting someone who is so identified with the role, whether it's uh, Han Solo or Indiana Jones or somebody like that. Oh, it, it goes against my heart. <laughs> but anyway, don't you think that Joss Whedon, by just the way he talks about this, to me it sounds like it's an open an open uh, request for getting involved in Star Wars in the future in some way or another. There's a certain generation, I think, of, of, of these guys in Hollywood, This of a certain age. Damon Lindelof mm-hmm. is another one. Yes. Who, who all were, uh, like us... Star Wars was their formative experience with film. It just, it just, it, it spoke to them about movies, and and may have been why they got into movies, along with maybe some others like ET or that sort of thing. And to go, to be able to go and play in that universe, to go and to to be part of that creatively, it's got to be attractive to so many of these people working in that industry. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, I found actually the video that I was talking about, um, and it wasn't Empire. It's Total Film. Uh, magazine and 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 uh, it's 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 the same backdrop as the previous uh, fragment that I uh, that I uh, played here, but it's a different interviewer. So it's probably on the I think this was on the set of or for the release of Much Ado About Nothing, uh, which was also made by Joss Whedon, and they uh, ask him about Star Wars. So let's listen to what he says there. And I was free. I that would certainly be a con- hold on. If it ever happened, in- let me just say. 
Well, if it ever happened in the future and I was free, I, that would certainly be a conversation. You know, you know just saying, ah, that doesn't interest me. I own eight lightsabers. Um, uh, I do. Because I wait and <laughs> fight. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I was never contacted because it was bought by Disney, who owns Marvel, so they knew very well that I wasn't uh, available. At least that's what I tell myself why I wasn't contacted. But I think JJ is absolutely <laughs> the guy for it. I'm, I mean, I, I literally can't think of anybody else I'd rather have to it. Really big JJ Abrams. I think so that's it. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure if he returns later on, uh, or it was probably someone else who was speculating about the all the other spin-off movies that you could make. But it's it's just great to hear all this excitement, and uh, I, I think we're in for uh, for such an amazing decade of movies, and and I I just can't wait to hear from you, for instance, how your kids will react to to Star Wars. And I mean, they're, they're still a little bit too young probably for, for the Star Wars movies. We're starting to talk about it. My son, Benedict, who's five, has asked me about it. And I, I actually showed them the scene uh, from, the, from A New Hope where Luke gets his lightsaber from, uh, from Obi-Wan mm -hmm. because, because we had that lightsaber uh, from the CNMC that you so graciously mm -hmm. <laughs> gave, gave to them uh, and uh, the Geek Priest saber. And... Uh, and so they wanted to know what it was, and so I showed them that scene, and they were so excited. And so Benedict has asked me, "When can I? When can I see that movie?" Mm. So, we're, we're, you know, it's. I think before the the next movie comes out, before twenty December twenty fifteen, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to, uh, if, if Melanie lets me, <laughs> try, <laughs> try to get them in inculcated into uh, into the Star Wars universe. I mean, it's a it's a one time opportunity to let them experience Star Wars and to witness that that as a father something that's so you know important to me like some dads the for them it's their you know they take their kids to the baseball team that they love or, mm -hmm. or you know or, or something for me it's Star Wars Star Wars is so yeah. such a formative experience for me as a as a child going to the, my first big movie that I ever saw as a kid you know to go to the to the you know 1977 to see Star Wars that's something I want to share with my kids, and, that, and that's a big deal for me. My parents told me that when the first man landed on the moon, they woke me up. I was just one year old, and they put me in front of the television so I would watch it and I would see it. And I still am so grateful that they did because now I can say I saw that first step on the moon. <laughs> and, uh, and I would be equally frustrated if, uh, for instance, my parents would have told me, yeah, there was this Star Wars movie, but we didn't think it was for you. And so we just, you know, we showed it to you on VHS. <laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> Well, by then I'd uh, yeah. I mean, by the by the time Star Wars came out, my dad had already started watching Star Trek with me. Oh, okay, wow. You know, reruns. So uh, it, those those. In fact, that's a part of it. It's just like the the experience of watching Star Trek with my dad associates those the that that experience with my dad. And so that that's one of the things I want to share with my children is that, mm -hmm. that to to them associate the, these experiences with our relationship yeah. in, in a positive way. So yeah, I mean, it's just. I, I'm so looking forward. To, you know, to be just a, as a fan, that's great. But to be a dad fan, yes. a geek dad, that's that's even better. And that's the whole uh, brilliance, I think, of this Star Wars thing. It, it truly accomplished what George Lucas set out to do as a young director, and that's give the world a new mythology, but also something that could span generations and could last for generations. And I think Star Wars unlike almost any other franchise, has been able to do this. I mean, of course, we've got the Avengers, we've got the Marvel and the comic book universes, but none of that is as pervasive culturally. Mm. Uh, and and I, I would even say, even in terms of philosophy and, and just knowing, knowing about good and evil and egotism versus friendship, etc., and self-sacrifice, these stories have been on par with, let's say, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. So... It it is amazing to see the power of 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 the the genius of George Lucas and you know in 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 fifty years from now a hundred years from now people will have forgotten about Jar Jar forgiven him about the Ewoks but we will still remember him him as the guy who brought us Star Wars and yeah. isn't wasn't it Disney who said you know this is a fifty year franchise for us yeah this is not this is not a flash in the pan for them they they think Star Wars is. Is something that will live on. I mean, Mickey Mouse is going to be a hundred years old soon. You know, that's it's incredible. <laughs> Star Wars is going to have a long life. I just, 
it's it's not going to be obsolete anytime soon. We're not going to be jumping into hyperspace, so it'll still be an aspirational uh, story for so many people for a long time. I remember as a child that I actually was scared to death that after having seen Empire Strikes Back, that George Lucas would die and we would never see the the, the sequel. We would not know how it would end it. And I had these fears about George Lucas dying or or John Williams, because he, to me, he looked like a very old guy. And I think he was in his 40s at the time. I don't know. <laughs> but I was like, uh, what if... What if John Williams dies? He's such an old man. I mean, he looked like like Obi Wan Kenobi. It's like, how are we going to have Star Wars without that music? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Star Wars will survive uh, its its creator, and yeah. uh, it's something to look forward to for many decades to come. Well, that <laughs> wraps it up for this episode of the Secrets of Star Wars. If you enjoy this show and you would like to help us reach more listeners and to inform other fans about the existence of this podcast. Um, I would invite you to leave a review on iTunes uh, or give it a star rating or, you know, whatever, a combination of both. And, of course, you can always tweet about it and, and, and uh, like our Facebook page. Um, on Twitter, we are Secret Star Wars, so Secret Star Wars. And on Facebook, I think it's Star Wars Secrets, just to make it more confusing. <laughs> um, so... And and so leave us a review. Uh, send us your feedback as well. Yeah, it's Star Wars Secrets on Facebook. Um, so you can, if you have something to share, post it on our Facebook page. Let us know via Twitter. Send us an email. Some of you have already sent us some fan mail. Unfortunately, we, we're running out of time to uh, to talk about it. But we do appreciate the fan mail. We do read it. And um, if you have any theories or information or you've thought things through more than we did, let us know as well. We welcome any contribution from our listeners because ultimately we do this because we love it, but we also love to share it with you. All right, that wraps it up. Thank you, Dom, for joining me today. Thank and you, Father. We will be back as soon as there is more to talk, to talk about, and uh, hopefully it will be a casting announcement. You will know when we have our next show. Thanks for listening. And God bless, and may the Force be with you. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.